Welcome back to Dispatches from the Verge, brought to you by Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, Today, David Morrison and I sit down to explore a number of different topics, uh, death within nature, um, our connection to nature, our spiritual connection to nature, our uh, connection to each other and to the moment and and Christ's connection with uh, humanity. And um, sort of just explore this idea. We, we go full circle, but get to the point where just the d- divine connection of everything. But before we get into that, thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios. He does all the uh, editing and sound engineering for these episodes. We appreciate that. Thank you to Jacob from Monk Drums. That's what you hear on the intro and outro. Uh, he's, his uh, craftsmanship of designing and creating those drums and putting them out into the world. Uh, If you're interested in learning more about Desert Rain as a community or David's prayers or poems or anything of that nature, check out theruin.com. Also, if you want to hear more episodes of the podcast, drcrpod.com is a place to go. If you love what you hear and enjoying it, please tell a friend. Uh, Word of mouth and social media really helps us uh, get the word out there. We appreciate you. And let's get into it. Welcome back to uh, Dispatches from the Verge, brought to you by Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, We added that title to kind of separate um, what we've done with Road to Desert Rain and what uh, David and I have been exploring for the last uh, six months now, I guess. I believe so. Yeah. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm copacetic. Nice. Yes. The sun is shining brightly. Summer's upon us. Yes. It's in the 90s today. It's very nice. Very nice. Um, yeah, what, what, what we wanted, we're going to kind of see, this is, I guess, a little bit of an experiment and one, just wanted to see where it goes. But uh, there's been, what is it, three or four oryx that have been coming extremely close to our, our living quarters. If yeah. you will, over the la- I, it seems to be progressively close over right. the last what three or four months. Yeah, yeah, we're in a drought, so the wildlife oh. is coming to our homestead to okay to get uh, sustenance. Yeah, along with the pond, and I leave tricklers out at night for them as well. Although, though, you know the the Wikipedia page for I believe it's called the Gemsbach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gazelle, it's a gazelle in Africa. From Africa, yeah. But it's here in the United States because uh, back in the '60s, some game warden wanted his rich buddies and him to be able to hunt oryx antelope mm. here in New Mexico, and so that's a good idea, right? So they released these things into the wild. Something uh, the page will say it, but it was. Uh, it was in the hundreds, I think, or maybe even less. But now they're in the thousands. Yeah, they've exploded. Yeah, in the yeah. White Sands Missile Range. So they're coming further and f- uh, farther and farther south. Mm, okay, um, right. And so they're on our property. There's been a a calf. I've I've spotted a calf, and it's it looks like its parents. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and I think about a year ago when I was coming down, and this is an unintentional plug, but. Road to Desert Rain. Uh, uh, see what you did there? <laughs> one one popped out in front of me, 
and it was it was I mean, they get as big as horses. Yeah, they're like an elk almost. Yeah, yeah. and it, it it popped out right in front of my car and and probably missed it by six feet. Yeah, I startled it. I was I was coming down and and the neighbors, the last neighbor where, where they fixed the diesel trucks. Yeah, it was like basically at its gate, and it I popped it out. And then it ran down. I think you and Cole were outside, in fact. Now yeah, that I yeah, I we remember. All, we all saw it, yeah. So, um, and then uh, Daniel Nedia shared a story with you, right? Uh, yeah, well, I'm hearing it from his dad, so. Oh, okay. So, so it's. Might be a telephone game right, thing. Right, 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 right. But yeah, he drives around in a, in a kind of a muscle car. Must, I yeah. believe it's a Mustang and jet black. He's very proud of it. He's a young man. It's a nice uh, car. <laughs> and. Yeah, one was in the driveway early morning, and and it decided it wasn't going to move out of the way. Wow! And saw it as a challenge and started uh, coming after the car slowly, and so he had to go in reverse <laughs> apparently and move very slowly in reverse all the way up the road back to the highway because this thing. <laughs> and they are known. I've heard of military people who've done things on the on the White Sands Range. Mm-hmm. Um, that they've attacked Humvees. Wow. Uh, I've heard, I heard a story and it's, this is a story. Yeah, of uh, course. Uh, security at the White Sands missile range, uh, guy showed up early to open the gate and there was a herd of these Oryx there and he decided to bump it with his car to kind of shoo it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it decided to. To bump back? Yeah, it, it impaled itself. Uh, it impaled the the side, uh, the driver's side door with its horns, you know, because they have two horns that yeah. go up probably uh, I don't three know. to four feet. Yeah, they yeah. go straight up in the air. They're very mm-hmm. sharp, and their hooves are very sharp. Well, and they're and they're tough animals too. My dad's a yeah. big hunter, and when I was in high school, I think it was, he took he got one of the hunts, and he took me with him, and he shot one. And broke its back. Yikes. And as we walk up to it, its its back legs are dead. Like it's not moving. Right. But it's still trying to, its front two hooves yeah. and head are still trying to run away yeah. with a broken back. It was the craziest thing I've yeah. ever seen. They're an extraordinarily powerful animal. Yeah. And I guess a, a lot of their neck, so they have a really thick neck, yeah. is made of cartilage. Wow, so that so when lions flexible. lions jump on their back and take a bite out of it, um, if they don't take a big enough bite, they can still have a chance to live, you yeah. know, because they won't get the spine. Yeah. So out here they have no. There's no lions. lions so, yeah. <laughs> and they have been uh, again another story, which is great. These are stories, right? Yeah. But, uh, they've been fun. spotted. Uh, orcs have been spotted with uh, coyote carcasses impaled on their. Horns and they're just walking around with this dead coyote. So well, uh, that would terrify me in the moonlight at night if I ran into something like that. And that's <laughs> like somewhat a, believable because coyotes are the size of medium-sized dogs. Yeah, they're small. Yeah, so it, it an animal this big and powerful could definitely could do something like that. Yeah, especially with the sharp. You know, I don't think a cougar could even. No, I don't. I don't kill I, an oryx. No, I think it could probably hurt it, but I don't think it. I don't think yeah. one cougar could kill it. And no, cougars don't. Roman packs, right? Nope. Like lions do. And um, more do, so. 
And so if, you, if you're if you're not quite if you're not from this area um, or you've never gone hunting in Africa, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Was- <laughs> check out. Jump on the IMDb and uh, Google Oryx and uh, IMDb. That's from movies. Yeah. Wikipedia. That's Oryx, the movie coming soon. Coming. Coming. With to an exclamation point. Oryx. I'll make a I'll make a trailer like I did for the road to desert rain <laughs> with the Oryx hooves in the background. But, yeah. Uh, they're beautiful. They're really beautiful. Yeah, it's, they're animals. stunning if you see them. Yeah, if you the if markings. You, if you weren't sure what they were, you'd you'd be pretty blown away. Uh, yeah, especially in the context of the of North America, where they're not, um, they are a foreign species, so to speak. Yeah, um, they've only been here a few decades, but they the population really is exploding. So and all of this, yeah. all of this introduction and and sort of story to be. Um, we're, you know, we, like we said, they've been coming around the house a little bit more. And, um, a few weeks ago, we, uh, shared a story about, about Padfoot, um, David's dog who had recently passed. And, and, um, so there's been some, some odd occurrences around that and, and the Oryx encounter. So I don't know if you want to sort of delve into that and, and lay out that story. No, I'm, I'm uncomfortable doing that. So no, just kidding. <laughs> You're like, nope. All right. So thanks everyone yeah. for another episode. Uh, no. I mean, a little disclaimer, this is the desert. So strange things happen in mm-hmm. the desert nights. Uh, so there, yeah. Yeah. So I'm not making a theology of this or a philosophy or, or I swear it happened. So, you know. I'm not, right. These are just. These are my interpretations of the things that happen around me. And I think it's a, that's even an important thing just for most of our conversations have been like our our encounters with these different things, whether it's a theology yeah. or uh, quiet silence, you know. But anyways, yeah, yeah. So, But this for sure is a disclaimer on it. It's just, just your observations. Yeah, it's a strange yeah. story. And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, Padfoot the dog passed away. We were very sad and we uh, – Still, you know, we were in a kind of a grieving, you know, I spent eight hours mm-hmm. a day with this dog yeah. or, or really 24 hours. Right. Cause even when he was roaming outside, he was still, you know, he'd come hang out and say, yeah. what's up to me and prayed with us, walked with us, worked yeah. with, you know, he was always there. And so it was, it was a tough loss. And, uh, and so we, we have a little grave for him, you know, marked with, uh, rocks mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, an outline, a rectangular outline kind of thing. And, um, and so a couple of weeks ago, uh, my wife and I on a Friday night were uh, uh, we're very uh, social people. So and and we like to party. So we went outside looking for uh, toads and spiders that live in the ground. Uh, these wolf spiders that are the size of a tarantula, and you can see them if you shine a light. You can see their little their little glowing eyes. Do they only come out at night? Yeah, yeah, they're oh, nocturnal spiders. Interesting and. Uh, so yeah, so we're just an erotic hot couple that way, and we're on a date looking for toads, having, having, having a blast on a Friday night. <laughs> and we're not even yeah, want to look for toads. Um, and so we're out there and looking around, doing our Friday night thing, and uh, by the labyrinth entrance, and heard this quick shuffling sound. Mm. So I turned the flashlight on, and it was a young oryx, not the not the larger one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forgot to mention uh, it looked like Padfoot was going to get better. The week before. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So he, he had dipped. Yeah. 
I, I guess I messed up the story. Started no, no, no. Started making a comeback. Yeah, so we thought, yeah, he just had an infection. He's mm-hmm. going to make a comeback. He was outside on a Sunday night because part of the comeback was he got some antibiotics. Right. So so we thought he was yeah. going to be all right, and so he started barking fiercely outside. I, I go outside, and there's a large adult oryx mm. just right out in front of our door, right. and he's barking at it, trying to chase it off. It's it's half half heartedly just you know walks away. <laughs> yeah, it's not not worried. <laughs> yeah, and then he comes back coughing. And it was it looked like he had a heart attack as a result, mm. and then he died a few days later. And so, yeah. So fast forward, I think a week or so, and and, we're, and just just for the the story with Padfoot, you don't think it actually had a physical that Padfoot had a physical encounter with the Oryx. You think just the act of chasing it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The excitement of it, right? And I imagined at the time, this is just you know, this is where it gets strange, you know. <laughs> but in my imagination, I, I I felt like the oryx visiting us was a sign of mm. some changes taking place. I kind of have labeled in you know uh, the oryx as the shaman of the desert, yeah. And so it coming by, it's so I kind of in my imagination, I pictured the oryx basically pulled it, the dog's heart out. And said and told him you have a new assignment, mm. and then he died and left. Well, and I think another point for that particular story is this is the first time we've seen an oryx that close to the house in recent years. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. we've seen the tracks in the last couple months, like around yeah, the pond and stuff, was, but none of us had actually physically seen it yet. Exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah, so this was the first unveiling of seeing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then. And so that was kind of what I imagined, you know, that that's, that yeah. was the encounter, you know, and, um, and so, and, and so it represented to me a shift and a change mm. that's, that's imminent, uh, and to be open for that, to be aware of that. Um, so then, yeah. So then a week later we we see the, this young calf of an Oryx, Okay. Uh, so this out was there. the following Friday after yeah. Foot had, maybe had two weeks. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Time is strange in the desert too, um, but it didn't run away. It just kind of, you know, shuffled off. And you had a at this point, you had a, a flashlight. Yeah, on. so we both yeah. had flashlights, and we both, Marsh and I, both at the same time, we were like, "Wow, he look, he's act, he looks just like Padfoot, not not physically, but the way he the carried himself, yeah. the way his eyes reflected back, and the expression on his face, yeah. and the way that he would shuffle from left to right on his hooves." And it was just the weirdest thing. And yeah. he was just waiting for us to, you know, leave. Uh, and so we, we just thought that was really odd. Mm-hmm. And so then Saturday morning comes around and we get up and and go outside. And, and his grave had been, uh, something had dug it, mm-hmm. attempted to dig him up. Uh, but we, you know, we buried him really deep. Right. And uh, there's an old uh, Mexican folktale, you know, they or a Mexican myth, you know, make sure your dog is buried deep because, or else you'll start hearing it barking, <laughs> <laughs> you know, all night long and right. barking underground kind of thing. And, uh, and so, yeah. And the rocks, the rectangular rocks were scattered everywhere. And, and, you know, so I thought my, our first thought was, you know, it was coyotes or something, mm-hmm. which would be strange because he's buried so deep. It they was would, they strange that they, they would smell know, him. Yeah. And so we looked a little closer, and and it was there were oryx hooves all over mm-hmm. it, and they had tasted the flowers that we left on his grave. 
they didn't like him. They don't like roses. Uh, and they had uh, eaten the yucca flowers around around it. Right. I, I had scattered yucca flowers mm-hmm. on top of the grave, and they ate all that. But left the roses. Yeah, yeah. so it was almost like he became this oryx of some sort. And and so this happened three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just visit the grave. I, 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 I have to put it back up. Uh, I'll leave flowers, yucca flowers. Because that's I, all they have to eat right now. Yeah, and I've even, I've even seen the the hooves on the on the grave and then around it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's very strange, you know, this seeming transfer of hearts or spirits or whatever it consciousness. is. Yeah, consciousness. Yeah. Uh, wildness. Uh, who knows, right? Yeah, uh, there's no way. I mean, there's no way t- to... What is it called? Measure it, or, yeah. You know, logically put it together. Exactly. Right. But it, it comforted us, though, and that's that's, that's a good thing. So yeah. those of you more who are uh, more black and white uh, because you're afraid of death, uh, and so you just think there's a heaven, hell, and maybe a purgatory, and there's no such thing as these kinds of things. Uh, uh, it's just not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you know the, the the scriptures don't the the early church and the Jewish tradition don't teach a separate disembodied heaven uh, after after death. They teach uh, a, a resurrection event will occur. That's that's what the early church and the and the Jewish tradition teach. This very strange event will take mm-hmm. place, and everything that was alive will will come back alive. You know. Will be resurrected, not in a zombie apocalypse kind of thing, but in a in a new Earth in a new uh, cosmos, a new maybe a new evolution of yeah. what we call Earth today. Well, it, you even, I mean, you you just recently, I mean, it has to do with death, but you just recently had a a pretty weird encounter with with um, encountering a voice beyond the grave, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, sometimes in meditation, uh, um, maybe go back. Let, let me let me just say it like this. That technically, so, so you might ask, well, then what happens when we die? Well, the best we know in, in the early, you know, in the, in the New Testament scriptures, you're incorporated into the Holy Spirit, into Christ, mm. uh, which is present here and now. And so... When Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah, who had died, right? Uh, you know, uh, they they accuse Jesus of of necromancy. You know, you're talking to the dead and you're mm. a cultic, and and he basically said uh, he's the God of the living, not the dead. And so, so life continues. It just mm-hmm. you're just your right. body is reorganized and set up for a, a later event. But you're incorporated back the image that you're created in, uh, in my opinion. Right, right, right. Uh, you know, and I've obviously experienced near, de- you know, I've had near death experiences, and and uh, and I've been close to death, unfortunately, you know, yeah. in my life, and and I've studied these things. So, so yeah. um, but the image that you're created in returns to the greater image mm. of of the divine, and and that's not in a separate place that's that's a very greek idea very pagan uh ancient ancient pagan greek idea um but but you're here and you're now and so 
So, the, so your mentors and your, and you know, uh, Cynthia Bourgeau, one of my teachers, she, she made a, a shocking statement uh, in our, in our school. And she said, the mystics will tear down barriers to get to you, to mm. teach you what you, you need to learn. And so that's, that's what's, it continues on is what I'm saying. And so, yes, uh, there was a, uh, you know, in deep prayer and meditation, it was almost like a microphone in my head. I heard my, uh, mentor's voice in my head and who uh, recently passed who away. recently passed right. away. Yeah. And, and, and I was inquiring whether he wanted to continue to be connected to me or, you know, in a, in a more direct way or, or should we just part ways, you know, like Dylan says, you go your way and I likely go my way. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was a very strange and interesting thing. And I know it's uncomfortable for people well, to and, hear something like this. And know. as soon as you hear that, what, what manifested here in this, on this plane? As far as what, what do you mean? His son texts you oh, okay, almost yeah. immediately yeah, that's after true. you heard that. All right, I'll, I'll stop being coy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the story's so amazing. Like I'd totally forgotten about it until you just started talking about okay. the, how we're re, you know, we're yeah, we get reintegrated into the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, as we pass and and. Um, All right. So yeah. So I was I was in a deep prayer like state uh, in in the afternoon and um, meditative state, and I and I had yeah. So Ernie Nedia was the the person who had passed away and he had been my mentor from the age of 16, 17 and, and, and as an, as an adult as well. Mm -hmm. And, and we, and, you know, and he had encouraged me to be who I am. He, he told me, you're, you're a mystic, bro. You need to be a mystic. And, uh, told me that when I was about 25 and, and it, it was a very empowering thing for of me course. to pursue that and be myself. And and I did I took it a bridge too far for him, uh, and and became uh, I went down the uh, what you would call the the dangerous slippery slope of liberalism, uh, and and so we, we you know of we, liberation theolo yeah, theology yeah 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 liberation theology uh, uh, human rights at the border mm. uh, immigration those kinds of things and and it, you know but you were called in that direction it wasn't yeah. like you were being. Uh, rebellious just for the sake of no being yeah i feel convicted about these things and and you know and i became increasingly more uncomfortable with the the fundamentalist bent the slippery the the even more slippery slope of fundamentalism and conservatism and white nationalism in the church right uh racism the 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 unwillingness to deal with racism the homophobia. Or even have the conversation uh, around it at the very exactly, least. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I became even more uncomfortable with those things. And so we we parted ways in, in a lot of, you know, in some ways, and uh, as as mentors and protégés often do. Mm -hmm. And and so then, you know, and, and it wasn't in the plan for him to die. <laughs> it wasn't, wow. you know, it, was, it wasn't a sudden death, but everyone just kind of believed that he would be a presence in our lives, like an oak tree for all our lives, right? Just, yeah, we all just felt that. When he also, he I, was a big personality and a huge presence. Yeah, I was gonna say I didn't know him, and you know, I didn't know him until he was an an older gentleman. But every story I've heard, it talks about his huge presence. Yeah, just a, and his his just uh, character. Yeah, he was like, a mythical person. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, really yeah. was and is and. um and so yeah, so I was in this deep meditative state, and uh, and and I had been reading some 
ideas from the 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 Kabbalah, the mm. Jewish mystic mm. writings, and it, and it said you can uh, contact and you can be connected still to your mm. teachers, uh, even even past the veil, and um, and so I, I wanted to know if he was still interested in that past death, and uh, so yeah, I heard this voice said, yeah, bro. And it was just like him. And, and I had been taking care of these Palo Verde trees on oh, our that's right. homestead here that he had that. planted. He and his wife, Linda, had planted uh, 10 years ago, more than okay. 10 years ago. And, and, and last summer, when I was recovering from you know, the heart uh, bypass surgery, mm-hmm. I just took to taking care of those trees and praying for them. Because he was sick at the time, he wasn't he wasn't getting better, and so I was praying for you know a miraculous healing, mm-hmm. like everyone around him was, and and my prayer took the form of taking care of the, the mm. these three trees, right? And um, well, February came along, and it's usually warm here, so the sap started rising in them in early February, and then late February, this hard freeze, Ooh. very rare for here. We got a huge snow yeah. too, which is. Yeah, Sometimes we'll get the freeze, but the snow on top of it. Yeah, lasts yeah, it was two feet of days. snow, right? Yeah. Which is weird for the desert here, and it so it killed the three Palo Verdes, mm. uh, their current branches. They're, they're making a comeback from mm-hmm. the bottom, so they didn't completely die, but it was just a hard freeze, and I felt like a failure. <laughs> you know, I was like, "That's what I get for praying." Everything I, I pray for dies, and you know, it's feeling kind of so in my because even at that point when the the snow happened, Ernie was still alive. Right, he died a month later yeah. in March, yeah, and uh, and so yeah, so it was just all connected in mm-hmm. that way, and and uh, and so yeah, so in my imaginative conversation in in this deep meditative state, this prayerful state, uh, I told him about the trees, and I you know I was basically saying oh, I failed you, the trees are dead, <laughs> the uh, trees look, you planted, look what I did, and. <laughs> But at the same time, there were, there were seven at the time. There's like nine of them now. There were little saplings that came up as a result of me taking care of those oh. trees. That, you know, because Separate was, saplings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was giving extra care right. and extra water in that area. So these other trees, Palo Verdes popped up. That's right. And, and so in the conversation, it was just like his personality. And it is something he would say. And it is something he said. You know, He said, bro. You got to let the old die so the new can come up, you know. Uh, and so it was like, uh, it was an okay. So at that very moment, I uh, get interrupted with a text. Shouldn't You shouldn't have your phone on during deep meditative states. But, <laughs> or, you know, or in this case, maybe you should have yeah, it on. Yeah, give me a break anyway. Don't judge me. Uh, you know you do it too out there. Uh, <laughs> look at your phone the first thing in the morning. Uh, Guilty. So... Yeah, so so Jacob, his son, who lives here, you've heard his story. Uh, his, so this will come out after his road to Desert Rain. So you'll yeah you'll be familiar with with Jacob, and and we talk about Ernie in that one too. Yeah, and I, I've known Jacob Nedia since he was eight years old, seven mm-hmm. years old, you know, and uh, and so you know, and my and my family is connected to that family, and right. you know, my dad was the coach at. Coldwell Elementary. He coached Ernie and his, uh, I think, two of his brothers. Okay. And Ernie's dad was the janitor at that school oh, wow. at the same time. And so we joke around, you know, in another life, another age, you know, there was some sort of samurai 
debt of honor that my family owes his family. And, <laughs> and so it's just continued on through yeah. generations and, and trans cultures and that kind of thing. And so we're just, it's like a destiny thing. Mm -hmm. And and so at that moment, yeah, I'm sorry, a text came through from Jacob. And he just said, uh, it said uh, something like, uh, my dad is on his way to, into the sacred burning heart of Jesus. And he's carrying with him all the unanswered prayers of a, that we've had over the decades, over a lifetime, the hopes that have been dashed, the the things that we stopped praying about because it, the hope was just mm. not there anymore. The imagination, we didn't have the imagination, the energy for the imagination anymore. He's carrying all of that and things are going to shift and change around here, you know. And so if anyone's so like, oh, that's a really long text, Jacob sends really long texts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of thumb movement. Yeah. I'm old school. I actually, I actually have to hook up a, a Bluetooth keyboard to my phone right. to you, write somebody back on a text like that. You typically just do the emoji, the thumbs up or something, yeah. or the peace sign. Unless I have my keyboard with me. Uh so yeah. Um and the, you know, and, and these are when you when you give yourself to prayer of any sort or, or contemplation. Strange things like this will happen, a series of coincidences. And, you know, and, and doubters would say, uh, well, you're just, your brain is just making those patterns. And I would say, of course they are. That's exactly what's happening. Uh, but, it, but it creates meaning. Yeah. And, and just to back up a little bit before we go down that, that trail, because it's connected to the same story, but like you mentioned the like, the knowing each other for generations beyond culture, beyond time and right. everything else. And Jacob shared the story about when he, he jumped off slash fell off the oh yeah waterfalls. waterfall yeah and he he heard a voice Jacob Falls <laughs> they call it now <laughs> he heard a voice saying specifically that you needed to take him yeah to the hospital that's and, right and he stopped himself from getting put into whoever's vehicle he was that's about right. to get put into and said no no I got to go with David which I barely knew them I had You're just right. I had just started going to the church yeah and. And I was about to leave. I was I was still a practicing Catholic. Mm. I was a, I was a Catholic in good standing, you know, because I went to to multiple masses and still <laughs> prayed the rosary and you know and uh, and went to confession. Went to yeah, I did the sacraments and and was fresh out of uh, uh, Catholic school, mm. uh, but we had run out of money, so I had to. Go, go to go the evil to, secular to uh, regular secular uh, yeah. school, <laughs> Northeast El Paso. <laughs> got, got booted, <laughs> and so. Uh, Went from being the, the fighting Irish to a, a matador, you know? So it was just kind of sad. That's funny. Uh, <laughs> Quite the transition. And so I was going to leave the church. I had visited it a few times, but because of the anti-Catholic uh, sentiment mm. from these people, I'd walk in for a service and two or three people would shove tracts in my hand of how evil the Catholic church is. Yeah, and and it had the opposite effect on me. I was like, yeah, these... I can't be with these people, right. but because Ernie was and Linda were uh, were very involved in the mm. Catholic Church and did not have hostility or uh, uh, antagonistic feelings about it, they just they felt a different call. Mm -hmm. So that's what I was feeling. They helped me discern that. I see. And because of his their kindness and hospitality towards me, uh, I was able to stay. So yeah, so I just barely knew them. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the, his kid is like, no, David has to take me to the hospital. That was the, I was like 17 myself. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. I think he was seven. Yeah, I don't six, know. Nine, eight, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, somewhere, yeah, in, that, somewhere in that range. Yeah, I was 17. I wasn't interested in hanging out with little kids. You know? right. Especially uh, ones that just broke their legs, yeah. possibly. And after raising a, a child, I'm definitely not interested in being around kids ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would, I would, you know, some I joke around about it, but I'm like, the future of our community here, if you have children under 18, then you can't come here. We don't want you. <laughs> kids just ruin everything. <laughs> Make everything. I'm, I'm well, just, I guess I'm not that saint like Brother Roger and Ty Zay, you know. Uh, they, don't, bring, they don't have kids. There's video of people bringing, families bringing their kids to visit him and how oh, much okay, love okay. he poured out but for they, them. But there's no kids. There's different vi kids visiting. Right. And kids living on something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they put a time limit on that. And yeah. And they send everyone away. Um. Well, the other thing I wanted to connect was <laughs> Jacob's text about the Sacred Heart. Um, because the so Jacob and one of his brothers made uh, a handmade coffin for Nettie, uh, for Ernie, and you had put a uh, coin, yeah, a Sacred Heart coin on the cross that was, um, that was on the coffin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and so some of these, these little details that yeah. come, and, come and go. Yeah. And your mother, not this isn't a joke. Your yeah. mama, my uh, mama, Teresa had uh, gifted me that coin mm -hmm. because we were doing a, a session of devotions on Zoom at the time mm -hmm. on the Sacred Heart, and um, and so she had gifted me that coin, and I had been in the habit, of, I guess, a couple of months, just keeping it in my pocket and praying with it. Uh, the way that you would pray uh, in in old in the old days in Ireland, there was a thing called a penal ro rosary. I'm not being dirty. That's uh, actually what it was called. It was it was a small rosary that you could conceal because it was against the law. The English oh, would not let you pray the rosary, right, okay. so they would sew it into their to their uh, sleeve or or keep a a coin like uh, object in mm -hmm. their pocket so they could pray. You know, keep. So I was kind of doing that in, in solidarity with the ancient Irish mm -hmm. and for obvious reasons. And then, yeah, so it was a, a well-prayed-over coin mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, you know, and so, yeah, so these these kinds of little things bring great meaning to your life, uh, if nothing else, you know. And so I guess you just need to pay attention and and connect the dots and, and not become over-identified with the dots. We've seen that. Right. In the Pentecostal and charismatic, uh, you know, uh, God has chosen me to be the, I'm one of the two witnesses mentioned in the book of Revelation. You know, no, that you're neurotic and you uh, you, did, you probably did have a spiritual experience, but it also triggered your your neurotic mm. uh, issues as well. And, yeah. And so you need to calm down. And we, we might have already talked about this, but actually one... I guess he became the main leader of the Heaven's Gate, believed he was one of the two prophets oh, did he? from yeah. Revelations. So yeah. it's like, be, you know, that's going back to that idea of a slippery slope, right? Right. Like if you buy into a certain thing. Your own hype. and You know, you're yeah. going to lead however many, I don't even know how many people, 20 something, killed yeah. themselves with the Heaven's yeah, Gate. Yeah, exactly. Um, cult, you know, and so that's that's another slippery slope, right? Like yeah, and you can end up in conspiracy theories and you know yeah, which is you know, like QAnon mm -hmm. is is very much uh Christian uh I guess I guess evangelical Christians and charismatic Christians are very much drawn to that conspiracy theory 
And oh, New Age. I don't know if I sent you the article. There's there's a whole faction of New Agers that also yeah connected to interesting. the interesting the QAnon. I think the guy with the buffalo hat or whatever when they raided the Capitol, uh-huh. he was sort of from the New Age uh, okay. world. Um, anyways, that's that's a whole nother right yeah, topic for yeah. a whole nother. You know, we we probably would never talk about anything like that, but. Um, yeah, length, I, I guess length. I'm saying that your your life is more mystical than you think, and you can live in this mysticism and this uh, this spirituality of and, and coincidences that take place, uh, but no, but you can't over identify with it mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's a dance, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, because I think it's it it, it is. Um, so it's both things. Like on one, if you don't, if you're not recognizing or or um noticing these sort of um the the mystical or the mystery side of the yeah. world you can get pretty indifferent or disenfranchised pretty easily um in that case and then you have the other side of the coin where you're like everything is a mis- you know what i mean yeah, like you yeah. notice you're looking for things to notice specifically to to continue whatever yeah. story and it's like, and I think you and I have talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, but how do we stay sort of in the middle of that? Yeah. You know, so, sort of stay, keep our eyes open, stay awake to the, when those mysteries and coincidences yeah. and divine moments happen, um, bring them for the journey, right? Because you don't, yeah. at least for me, I don't want to discard them, but then also not, um, not get so invested in that because there's still the real world side of things, right? The, right. the tragic and the sadness yeah. and the brokenness and, and all that stuff that, that um, is a reality within our reality. Exactly. Um, you can't use it to escape. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think, I think we talked about it, but that idea of, uh, that you you introduced to me a couple of years ago, year and a half, uh, spiritual bypassing. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that the right terminology? Yeah. So you yeah. use these kinds of mystical, uh, woo woo kind of experiences mm-hmm. to really just bypass your issues of that are keeping you from being truly a loving person, a humble person, a servant, uh, being a, a true human being. You know mm-hmm. and. Uh, and and a true human being in the in the Christian tradition is is Christ within you. Mm. So it's not an escape from your humanity. That, that's what people use religion, often use religion and spirituality for, to escape my humanity. But no, the Christian tradition is solid. It it puts you into the heart of your humanity. That is the entire uh point of the Christ event of Jesus appearing. It's God in human form experiencing fully the human experience and continuing to do so after the resurrection and ascension, doing it now at this moment in the suffering places of the world. Well, and I think that goes back to the the episode we did on the Eucharist, you know, where you did, mentioned yeah, it. that's right. We refer to it as the Last Supper, but um, perhaps it's actually the first eternal supper. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and so God, God being made flesh, right, because— the way I understand the theology is, is Jesus Christ was a hundred percent human and a hundred percent divine. Right. You know, and, and so, 
allowing that uh, humanness and that divinity to co-mingle here on earth. Yeah. Um, and for me, I, I think that's why the line um, uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Right. In the, exactly. the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. It doesn't say like, oh, you just hang out on earth and then you go to heaven. Right. This it's like, separate disembodied place. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, no, you want to introduce these ideas and values of heaven. Yeah. Or maybe not introduced because they've already been introduced, but embodied. Like, exactly. How do I strive to embody it, whether it's through prayer, through service, through the Eucharist? Yeah. Um, you know, we just Pente Pentecost just uh, passed. You know, so allowing the Holy Spirit in to interact with your life. Exactly. And, and yeah, and the mystics generally teach, the Christian mystics, that when you personally make an effort or have an intention to bring the human and the divine together ever closer and to reconcile those two, then at that point you'll become crucified with Christ. Mm. You'll experience the crucifixion. And, and it'll be no longer I, as Paul says, it's no longer I who lives, it's Christ who lives in me and through me. Mm. And so that's, you know, it's real world experience. Yeah. And so uh, sort of, we've kind of stumbled into a theme this morning, <laughs> but we, we, we talked, you know, we just finished talking about the, the human side of death, right? And before that, we were kind of exploring this thing with Padfoot and the Oryx of the, um, nature side of death or the, you know, sort of yeah. the animal quote unquote side of death. And now we're talking about the humanness that Christ has um, embodied and introduced to us. Right. And, and that that's what his life, his life work was, uh, or at least part of it. But, and this kind of goes off a conversation we had a few days ago, but then the, the nature side of Christ or the nature side of the divine, whereas I, I, I'm not personally so familiar with it, but um, I know you and I have talked about it. I've talked about it with Marsha, but this idea within uh, some forms of Christianity of nature not really being that important. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and so yeah. it's, but there is a divine part of nature. So how, you know, maybe, maybe you can explore that as far as, uh, how did how did people get to the point where like oh no nature's not important we can just do whatever we want yeah. with it um, and the, and how do we sort of reclaim the divinity of nature within within the context yeah. of 2021 yeah because it matters you know I think so yeah because the the way that you see the 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 natural earth is the way that you're going to treat it and if you treat it like a, a, a something to be exploited something to be objectified, something to be subdued and conquered, uh, then we, that, that's the consciousness that's gotten us into the crisis we're in now. Well, I think that probably if, you, if you're looking at nature that way, it's probably not limited to nature. Right, There's yeah. There's probably yeah, some no. aspect of that that's human you beings, yeah. other human beings. Exactly. Anyways, so. Yeah, so, so this matters. This mm -hmm. is very important. Uh, and so, yeah, unfortunately, there is... Uh, in Christian history, uh, an adversarial view of of uh, spirit and matter. They've they've divided those two. Mm. It was early Gnostics did this uh, with this extreme dualism. So so nature, the material world is somehow evil, fallen. Uh, God hates it. 
They they have this view. And, and this then, includes and then, the entire natural world, not just man-made stuff. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anything physical. Yeah. And, and so things that are spirit are pure and good. Uh, and you see that Gnosticism, that that Gnostic kind of view today. Mm. Um, and so the so you know many Christians, particularly the the conservative brand, uh, tend to have an ad adversarial view of nature itself. Okay. And they and they have this uh, one kind of twisted view of that that God is going to trash the earth. It's going to blow it up in fire anyway. So why should I care about preserving it or being a steward of of uh, the natural world? And so, and, does and that, and so I would call it a heresy myself. So uh, would that does that extend from like Revelation? Like yeah, where? it comes from a literal, a very literal reading of the Bible. And okay. in, in, yeah, in Revelation, there's a verse in uh, one of Peter's letters, uh, epistles, uh, says the the world will be uh, will end when in fire. Oh, um, okay. That kind of thing. They're, they're uh, literal English translations. Uh, right. Subdue the earth. They use. They take that word, subdue it, mm -hmm. um, and so it, it just becomes this. And then it becomes political. You know, the socialist, environmentalist versus the capitalist. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of thing. And so it's it's very destructive. So I would call a heresy anything that is that demeans life of any mm -hmm. sort. Uh, anything that exploits is is a heresy, okay. and so uh, and and so it's it's heretical in that sense, right? Uh, because it, it demeans human beings, turns them into workers, turns them into utilitarian purposes rather than human beings right. uh, and with a story and with on you know worthy of a dignity and honor. Um, there's a there's a hyper kind of a. a uh, a misunderstanding in, in a lot of ways of, of what Augustine was saying about uh, original sin, and so they take it too far, and and, and so they'll say you're you're basically born. Uh, God basically hates you. Mm. You know you're you're born wrong, and so you have to be either baptized or you have to be uh, become a born again believer of some sort. And they take it too far, in my opinion. You know, right. and, and because the the creation. If you go back to Genesis, uh, and the Jewish tradition really affirms this, through, you know, not just the script, the Genesis scripture itself, but the entire uh, history of Judaism mm -hmm. teaches that uh, when the Creator beheld, held in a gaze what had been created, which was the cosmos, right? Uh, it says uh, something like seven times. He saw yeah. that it was good. Right. It was good. It was good. Yeah, it repeats it one right yeah. after the other. That's yeah. very important. Yeah. And, and so... Well, it's interesting, too, because to, you know, to kind of reflect off um, the thing you said about Augustine is if you... Like if you turn to Fr like Francis, right, and read some yeah, of very his prayers, different, right? his prayers and stuff, like yeah. he, and, and it's kind of become a, a trope now where you get the St. Francis and put in your garden because he's, right. you know, the the saint of animals. You, you got to make the saints safe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But if you read, if you read his stuff, he really delves into this idea yeah. of connecting with nature and, exactly. and connecting with the living world um, it, within nature, right? So, yep. um, yeah. Yeah, witnesses, you know, it wasn't that long ago in the 1500s uh, would see him attempting to preach the gospel to the fish. 
And the witnesses said, they seem to be listening. We don't know what the hell is going on, but they seem to listen. Yeah. Uh, when he was dying in, in the house on a straw pallet, uh, allegedly sparrows, uh, mm. or, or uh, not sparrows, but the other ones, uh, the mud. Uh, swallows. The, okay, I guess, yeah, swallows. The mud yeah. swallows were yeah. circling and swooping the house mm. and uh, <laughs> that kind of thing. And and there's all kinds of other stories, you know. And, yeah. But it is it is a very different viewpoint. The Franciscans uh, officially debated, I believe it was the Dominicans, on this issue. Mm. Is is uh, the incarnation, does that mean that uh, now the physical world is all holy and is being redeemed? It's in the process of being redeemed, the new creation, because of the uh, instituted by the resurrection, is is emerging from mm. the current creation. That's That was the Franciscan position. The Dominican right. position was no, it was created good, and then it fell, and now it's evil, and and it has to be. Uh, so the fall would have been Eve, Adam and Eve. At, yeah, 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 exactly. And so therefore, everything is fallen and evil, and and needs to be treated as such. Mm. Uh, and the Franciscans officially lost the debate on a <laughs> rational level. You know, it was, I think it was the 1600s, something like that. The judge, uh, the judge scored it yeah. in the Dominicans' favor. Yeah, I think Simon Cowell was there, and he right. he didn't give them the, some of the corrupt boxing uh, yeah. judges that have been out throughout history were also there. Yeah, and and Francis, I might remind you, was was trained in a, a Celtic Irish mm, right. established monastery in Bobbio, Italy, and uh, and that teaching was still intact, and so the, that Celtic. Uh, incarnational view mm-hmm. of of the world of of the creation uh, transferred to Francis and became the Franciscan. Mm. You know, uh, and the Franciscans went crazy after his after his death. Uh, they they taught some pretty weird, mm. crazy, weird, wild stuff. <laughs> uh, they there was a teaching shortly after he died that they were claiming that Francis himself was the was literally the second coming of Christ mm. and that the current Pope was the Antichrist. Right. And, you know, and so they almost, so so a guy named Bonaventure came along and, and kind of told them all to simmer down right. and, uh, and created a, a rational, written down, incarnational, nature positive, I see. Uh, ancient future uh, kind of theology. And I think the summary of, of the world religions and the summary of even the secular world and the and the sentiment of most cultures in the world today, I th- I think the Franciscans, the Celts have won that argument. Mm. I think most people believe that's that's true. You know, Buddhists very early on said uh, the basic nature of human beings is good. Mm, uh, if a child was drowning, people would jump in and, and save that child. Mm-hmm. That would be their first. Yeah, you know, most people their first. Uh, inclination to be a, to save a, a drowning child which even makes the i know some people you know it's it's a weird argument but uh oh well, why do, if we had a time machine we would just go back and kill baby hitler it's right. like well probably you wouldn't because it's a baby like when you see a baby yeah. when you engage <laughs> with the baby yeah exactly it would take a real sociopath to be yeah. like okay it's time to kill this baby no you you kidnap baby idea. hitler and put him in it with a good Jewish family in Manhattan, and 
and, and get him the, some art lessons. He and, wanted to be an artist. Exactly. And then he becomes Mel Brooks <laughs> <laughs> and brings joy and goodness to the world. And laughter. Know, instead of uh, Holocaust. And, yeah. Yeah. So, sorrow. But okay. So just to sort of bring this full circle, but in your estimation, right, Lynn, this is just off the cuff because we, we, once again, we did a lot of show planning for this one, as you can tell. <laughs> but so in the context of 2021, how do we, um, how do we sort of bring alongside this idea of like nature matters, um, right? Because we have all the science in the world to be like, you know, you know, the right, glo- there's yeah. global changes within the atmosphere, temperature wise and climate wise and all, you know, yeah. we have, we, have, there's been plenty of documentaries, you know, whatever we're overfishing, we're yeah. raising too much cat, you know, all the, all the documentaries pointing to all this different stuff. Yeah. Um, but extinction s- events taking place. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, so how do we, how do we bring this alongside to people in, in such a way where we're not bashing them over the head being like, Oh, you're a dummy. If you yeah. don't, if you don't love nature, um, I, I, yeah, it's it's kind of a, a yeah. Question. I, maybe maybe the are you are you asking how can someone incorporate nature into their sure? Let's go down that into yeah, their yeah, let's do, prayer yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, that. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget there was a uh, you know, when I was doing prison ministry, uh, I was I wasn't an inmate. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't uh, convicted of a crime. I went in as a minister right. from the outside, and and Liter- long- <laughs> literally never having been arrested in your entire life. I, I think that can be proven. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, Senator, uh, <laughs> a senator I cannot recall. Um, and and there was a long term inmate there. He has a life sentence for murder, mm. and and uh, very evangelical Pentecostal Christian. And very hard uh, prison Christianity is a very hardcore, mm-hmm. uh, fundamentalist, black and white, you know, kind of faith because they they have to defend everything in a prison. And so, and he, it was this guy was a hardcore guy, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he told me uh, one time I'll never forget this. You know, they were under lockdown, which means they had to stay in their little their individual cell for. Right. Uh, I, it was like a three-week lockdown. Wow. They're literally in their this little cell for three weeks, not able to go out. And and the windows are very small, small rectangles with with very thick glass, mm-hmm. not clear. You know, sort of, you know you can it's see the outside, but not because of the weather. You know, mm-hmm. beat, weather beaten windows. And he said he had been. Uh, he said a, a bird hit that window and died right in front of it. And and his prayer and meditation took on the form of watching this bird decompose uh, outside of his window as a, as a lesson that he's not in control of much. You're not in control of much, so you you have to surrender uh, to the divine. So it could be something that simple where you can just start feeding birds in your backyard, in your front yard. Start feeding them and and observe them and see what they would teach you. You know, in, in the Celtic. Uh, tradition, every bird is a word. <laughs> I just rhymed it. Bird is the word. Uh, bird, bird, bird. Bird <laughs> is the word. <laughs> little Peter Griffith there. Uh, every bird, every rock, every tree is a word from God. Every leaf uh, on the tree is speaking to you the gospel. That, that's the tr- that's the the tradition. So feed some birds and observe them. Watch them and see, and see if they would become your spiritual director 
to see what they would they would teach you. Uh, that's a very simple thing. Go to a park mm-hmm. uh, and sit on the bench. You know those those crazy old people that that feed the birds. They probably know more about the life than anyone else in a lot of ways. Go uh, basic gardening. Do some basic gardening. Uh, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Go drive out of out of the city limits and and uh, look at the stars some night and just and just stargaze. Um, these are very simple, small things that you can do. Um, when and I encountered, so I kind of encountered the other extreme this past weekend. Um, a group of me and my friends, acquaintances, uh, new friends now have become old friends. I uh, went camping in a little place called Hemet, California. Mm. And the place we went is called, uh, I believe it's called the Eco Shire. Eco Shire? Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, a gentleman and his family had bought 35 acres, uh, basically in the middle of nowhere, California. And it was the hem- it was the unofficial Hemet dump. So I think he said for 50 years, people had just used it as like, that's where you went and just dumped off your, wow, your washer. Refrigerators. Your, yeah. And, and whatever, you know, your above ground pool, you didn't want anymore. Wow. Old tires, you know, you name it. And they've been there, I think seven years now. And they spent four years, the majority of the work done by him and his wife and uh, their son, getting rid of the trash. Wow. And reclaiming this land uh, to be part of the the California wilderness, so to speak, and um, it was just it was just really um, unbelievable to witness what a beautiful place it looks like yeah. now. Yeah. And they've only they're only a year or two into the reclaiming process. Right, oh, the really? majority of their time was spent just picking up trash. Okay. Um, and so they're still in the early stages of getting play- campsites and, oh, okay. and yeah, l- I see. living, you know, they're doing like the earthship things that are pretty popular in Taos, New Mexico. So building adobes in the ground. Mm. Um, and, you know, they have it open for people to come and camp. And had he not told the story of it, never in a, if you had me guess a hundred times what was this before it was this campground, yeah. I would, a dump would not have crossed wow, the so radar. That's powerful. That's how much they started with just picking up the first toilet seat. It's right. Well, it started with going to the land, seeing garbage upon yeah, garbage upon true. garbage, and seeing what it could be, and putting the money down. Yeah. To then be legally allowed to pick up the first piece of trash, wow. right? That's powerful. It's unbelievable. And there are people doing this everywhere, all, all over, over the, the world. world. And so just find them, you know. And there's some large scale. Uh, I saw a little mini documentary on, I think it was the co-founder of Church's Fried Chicken, I think. Interesting. And did the same thing. He bought intentionally bought a, a absolutely worthless piece of land in Texas and began a water project. Mm. And now it's a grassland that... That's a, a wetland and the whole thing. Wow. And same thing, camp campgrounds mm. and uh, and this guy's as conservative as, as he's not some hippie. Right, right. right this right, is a right. church's fried chicken for God's sake. <laughs> uh, you know, so there are people on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, 
And that's what we need. Yeah, we exactly. need all kinds. Yeah, to do their part in whatever way, whatever small way, right? Yeah. Like if it's planting a tomato, uh, a tomato plant in your in your front yard for you to do some kind of gardening, like you mentioned. Yeah, to someone basically giving their life. Effectively, that's what this. Yeah, to a piece of land. Yeah, to to re uh, to regenerate, yeah. re-energize it. There was a woman out here in Chaparral, because uh, you know people see the desert as worthless, mm-hmm. so they the whole place is a dumping ground. Mm-hmm. And and when we first moved out here, there was an older woman. She's probably passed away by now. It's been so long, but that's what she did all day long. Mm-hmm. She just picked up trash uh, in Chaparral. And that was her. That was her prayer, her ministry, if you will, her service, her life. And the, and the place is better for it. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Um. Well, here we I, go. I don't know if we made any <laughs> sense, but that we was were an hour. all over the place. <laughs> uh. So yeah, just to you know, look look for those uh those mysteries in your life, the the um the mystical aspect of life. Uh, the breadcrumbs. Embrace the story. Embrace the the um, uh, the coincidences, if yeah. you will, and and um, you know remember that the divine is is with us in our human interactions and interactions with other humans and and our interactions with nature. Um, so, do you have, would you like to leave us with anything before I do our? Our outro credits, Mr. Mr. David Morrison. Oh, I appreciate everyone listening and yeah. putting up with us. Yeah, it's been, it's <laughs> been a beautiful ride. So uh, as always, uh, theruined.com. Uh, you can find David's uh, prayers, pictures, um, things covering uh, different uh, seasons within, uh, within whether it's a liturgical calendar or just... Uh, um, if just to feed your curiosity about whatever might be up there, uh, drcrpod.com. You can check out um, our other episodes of um, Dispatches from the Verge and episodes of uh, Road to Desert Rain. Uh, Monk Drums, that's what you hear in the background uh, during the intro and outro. We thank you, uh, Jacob uh, Nedia, for letting us uh, use that. And um, yeah, have a wonderful day.